0: Hey folks, a quick reminder that Jim and I are going to be doing a live Disney Dish event at Walt Disney World this year from November 10th through the 13th. That's a Friday through a Monday. We'll be talking and talking about the history and future of Disney attractions, resorts, restaurants, and more. With plenty of time for you guys to ask Jim and I questions, hang around, and possibly see us get tipsy. If you'd like to join us, visit our host travel agency, storybookdestinations.com slash Dish. For more details, that's storybookdestinations.com slash Disney Dish. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. It's February 1st. This is our first iTunes show for February. It is, as the kids say, the middle of winter. Jim, isn't Groundhog Day coming up like tomorrow? I don't know. At this point, I think it's six more weeks of pizza. (laughs) All right, so February, we're going to do some updates on news that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Let's jump right in and talk about Disney's latest festival in Epcot, Disney's Festival of the Arts. Mm-hmm. This is a celebration of Disney's artistic endeavors that was kind of a surprise when it was added to the calendar last year. It was like last fall when they announced it, right? And it, uh, it joins Flower and Garden, which is coming up imminently next month, mm-hmm. food and wine, and then the holiday thing that was an unofficial, uh, unofficial event last year. Basically, it's a it's the long-running joke that there are eight months out of the year in which Epcot has a festival. This is another one of those. Mm-hmm. We went to the festival yesterday uh, at Epcot. Uh, actually, I had dinner at 2 Augusto, too, which we'll get to. And the main center for the festival is the Odyssey Restaurant. And I hadn't been in the Odyssey. I hadn't seen it open for regular people mm-hmm. in a long time, right? And in the Odyssey, they, they do a couple of things. Obviously, there's a huge food and wine component to every part of the Disney Festival of the Arts, and no difference here. In the Odyssey, you could pick up actually savory croissants, which were kind of interesting. But the big thing there was, uh, was the, the art. They actually had a, uh, an exhibit on uh, Mary Blair's art from Saludos Amigos, her concept art
1: oh, wow. for Saludos Amigos.
0: Then they had Herb Ryman's, some of his concept art from Epcot. Mm-hmm but the original posters that were, you know, the original concept art that he did that was like five feet wide and four feet tall. Mm-hmm. And those, I think, were the highlight for me of the day. Herb Raymond stuff for Epcot, you know, the the concept art showing people walking around, you know, Spaceship Earth, around horizons, around the land pavilion. He just does these wonderfully expressive images. You can sort of see the, in his quick I don't know, is it painting? It's, it's, it looks like it's chalk almost. It's definitely painting. It is, you know, weird sort of way kind of
1: impressionistic. Yeah, it is, yeah. That said, there's a famous painting that he did of the, I want to say it's Spaceship Earth, but about the time that he made this painting, Richard Schickel's book, the Disney version, came out. And Richard really went after Walt in this book. This was after Disney had invited him to the lot and let him into the archives. And there was really a feeling within the company that he'd bitten the hand that fed him. And so, supposedly, if you look closely... At one of these paintings, Herbie has included Chickle, but it's not really a very flattering image of him. Oh, what is it? You'd be in the presentation, and Herb would get a laugh out of it. Wait a minute, is that that bastard Chickle in the photo? <laughs> <laughs> put him in the painting. <laughs> yeah, but that tree's going to fall on him. It's like, oh, okay, so. <laughs>
0: That's great. So this one so uh, so her body did a did a couple of upcoming uh, ones. This one is one with a uh, spaceship earth slightly left of center, but you can see like well dressed people in the foreground. And they're all international visitors. The monorail is off to the right. and it's it's the first thing that you see when you get in. The interesting thing is Disney actually commissioned a poster sized print. Of this painting, mm-hmm. which saved me the effort of having to steal it last night, <laughs> okay, you know, you know, you know, me and her, Brian, which was nice. It's the only one of the uh, the pieces of art that they commissioned, especially for this one. But the second thing is, is as we we're uh, buying this this piece of art. We were talking to the cashier mm-hmm. who said that she was surprised at the strong re- response for both the poster and the overall festival because she said, she, you know, she worked on it. It was thrown, quote her words, thrown together in three weeks. So this doesn't seem like it was a planned festival, although it seems like it works out fairly well most of the time. There was talk of a festival of the same length,
1: but Mm -hmm. it was going going to be based in Future World, and it was going to be technology. It was going to be sort of a science fair thing. They were going to be set up inside of more in the intervention space. Supposedly, the ABC show BattleBots was supposed to come down here and shoot
0: the new season of shows. Mm -hmm. And so something happened. No, I mean, I've heard from other people that this thing, to use the industry phrase, came together quickly.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know and but i think overall number one disney can do this sort of thing quickly you know it would take a, st- a day to walk through the archives to say mm-hmm. yeah you know display that and that and that and that and that you know relative mm-hmm. to epcot or walt disney world and we could come up with 500 pieces of concept art that we'd want to see mm-hmm. the barry blair thing i thought was was excellent and especially since that particular thing fits in well with not only with world showcase but Remember, it was her work on Saludos Amigos that got her the gig for mm-hmm. Small World.
1: Oh, right? absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a story there that ties into the rest of Walt Disney World. You know, there's a huge food food and wine component to all of these things. In fact, I didn't do an official count, but mm-hmm. I would say that there were probably more food and wine booths open for Festival of the Arts than there were actual paintings there. But again, you know, culinary arts are an art, too. I, I get it. I didn't hate it. I got to say this. I thought it was pleasant. Some of the art, you know, I really liked this was my fear, right? My fear was yeah. you'd be walking around Epcot, and essentially it would be like walking around the art gallery on one of the Disney Cruise Line ships, mm-hmm. where it's Mickey and Minnie on a dock somewhere with a sun setting in the background, and you'd have just 70 booths of, of art like that. There's nothing wrong with that art, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It's not what I would consider museum quality or, or even mildly interesting art. It's not my thing. I was concerned that that was it, uh, it. you know? But other than seeing a lot of Star Wars stuff everywhere, like there's Star Wars art in Morocco. Well, okay, but but okay, and and here's here's how I rationalized it, Jim. They they filmed a lot of the original Star Wars in Tunisia. There we Tunisia go. To Morocco, North okay. Africa. It's all the same, right? It's all the okay. same. Okay. Yeah. Um, Enjoy your blue milk, folks. <laughs> yeah, but I said, other than that, it wasn't bad. I kind of liked it. It's an interesting idea. If they brought it back next year and expanded on the displays of their own archives art, I can see that. It didn't feel bad to me. It comes at a price.
1: At Shanghai Disneyland, at Hong Kong Disneyland, and mm-hmm. Disney's California Adventure right now. Today, they're kicking off the biggest Chinese New Year Lunar New Year Oh, Year yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Happy uh, Chinese New Year. And so I'm putting together an article about this, and I was talking with the Disney rep and said, now wait a minute, Shanghai Disneyland has this amazing projection show where you fill out, you know, your wishes for the new year. They actually, as the kiss goodnight to the park, they project them on lanterns on the storybook castle.
0: Oh, that's kind of fantastic.
1: Yeah. And Hong Kong Disneyland, as you enter the park, you're handed a red and gold envelope, which has an Iron Man chocolate inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's it's this wonderful little cross promotional thing at DCA. They have this new six minute show called "Hurry Home," a Lunar New Year celebration that they present ahead of each performance of World of Color. And it's this wonderful mix of Chinese calligraphy and city of the art CG. And they mix in Mulan and Mushu, and it's this oh, great little show. But now you have the actual Chinese pavilion in Epcot. But because of this this Festival of the Arts thing going on... They weren't doing anything. I looked... Yeah. In fact, I asked about this. And so this is the official Disney statement at Epcot is currently hosting its very popular inaugural International Festival of the Arts, which, as you know, is an exciting extravaganza featuring extraordinary artists, gourmet food, stage productions. And the Chinese Pavilion is part of the broader festival celebration. And right. guests are welcome to enjoy unique culinary offerings that occur only yeah, yeah, yeah. during the festivals
0: etc 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 yeah yeah so the funny thing was i was at the university of central 40 yesterday mm-hmm. i was doing a talk on how hard it is to predict wait times at disney world i was talking to their newly formed data sciences mm-hmm. department and so this isn't a surprise but A large contingent of any university's math and science departments is made up of Chinese nationals, right? Mm -hmm. We've immigrated to the United States. All of them were wearing red yesterday because of the Chinese New Year. We had a nice talk about it. We all wished we could be in Las Vegas because that's actually the best city in the United States to be in. (laughs) I think there are two times of the year that you should go to Las Vegas. Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And Chinese New Year. Thanksgiving because no one's there and you can get fantastic deals. Chinese New Year, man, they roll out the red carpet. There are displays everywhere. Like Bellagio does this huge thing for Chinese New Year inside their conservatory. Okay. Yep. Special menus for food, entertainment. The entire city goes all out. But anyway, so I'm at UCF. We're all talking about the Chinese New Year and how much fun it is and other you know places where we've celebrated it, you know, around the world and everything. And then they go to China and they weren't doing anything. <laughs> like while well, the guys at UCF and the data science department were, were celebrating this more directly than Disney was in, in Epcot's China Pavilion yeah. oh well <laughs> here's hoping next year I would love to see the Chinese New Year celebrated at Disney I think it'd be fun special menus at Epcot at China I think that'd be great speaking of menus on one of our last shows we talked about the highest rated restaurants in Walt Disney World, I mentioned that Tudo Gusto was one of the highest rated places in Epcot. I went by there yesterday just to confirm it. So, a couple of interesting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't make reservations for Tudo Gusto because it's a walk-up bar. Gym, an hour? Wait. To get, <laughs> to get in. It's, okay. uh, it's super popular. But uh, while I was uh, talking to people in line, mm-hmm. both uh, the couple in front of us and the couple behind us mm-hmm. had been there before. They considered it one of their favorite places in Epcot. They said the food was excellent and it, it, you know it's considered like, quote, our spot. And then they, they said, uh, apparently the word has gotten out that, that this is, place is good. And so, uh, so it actually only took us about half an hour to get seated. It wasn't bad. Maybe even less, maybe 20 minutes. But the food is high quality. We had a selection of meats, selection of vegetables, I had some pasta. Laurel had some bruschetta. Mm-hmm. Laurel had a cocktail. I had a wine flight. I would say the the food quality was good. It's also expensive. So roughly each board, which feeds two people, is you know twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty somewhere somewhere between twenty five and thirty dollars, let's say. So if you want mm-hmm. two of them, you know you're automatically looking at fifty to sixty dollars for essentially appetizers. Mm-hmm. The wine flight of six two ounce pours was thirty dollars. When I originally went to the place a, a couple years ago, last time I reviewed it. I really liked the food quality. I thought it was inventive. I loved the space. I was upset about the prices. It -hmm. seems like everyone that was there was accepting of the prices. So maybe it's just me getting old. I think it's, it's more
1: the reality of what's going on. In year round celebration around World Showcase, and the fact that we're paying five to seven dollars for a single plate with a tiny piece of food on it. So, oh, some of the nudging are like 14, 15 dollar plates. Well, this is what I mean when that's what you're paying for $28 that serves two, it's like okay.
0: The last couple of times we've gone to Epcot, it really has been just to see the food and wine stuff or the, uh, the Festival of the Arts or you know, or whatever to, to go for a specific, you know, <laughs> one specific food item that's new or whatever. I don't think even know if we went on any rides yesterday. See, now that this is what shows that you are now a true
1: Orlando local. Yeah, I <laughs> you know, think that's just, what it is. Yeah. You know, you just ninja in, do what you want,
0: and ninja out. I've said before, I mean, the, the closest Mexican restaurant to us is the San Angel Inn in the Mexican <laughs> Pavilion. It's so, uh, so more news about, or more, actually this one's a rumor. It looks like uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios does not have evening extra magic hours scheduled past the end of February 2017. Is this a, uh, a calendar quirk, Jim, or do you think there's uh, something going on here? You of all people know the crowds that come to Disney in
1: February, so why no extra magic hours then? doesn't quite scan
0: i get that the park you know the back half of the park is a construction site but yeah i think it's if it's true Mm -hmm. it serves two purposes let me start off this explanation by reminding you james Mm -hmm. that the magic kingdom has no evening parade right now Uh uh-huh okay so if disney's hollywood studios has no evening extra magic hours it gives people less incentive to spend the evening at the magic kingdom or Hollywood Studios, and oh, no. which which park has is going to start having evening of entertainment very, very soon? Okay. But it's a twofer, because if it doesn't have evening extra magic hours, it's one or two nights a week now. It's at least mm-hmm. one more night a week where you can bring in the bulldozers a little sooner than you normally would and do the construction faster at Hollywood Studios. Now, 52 evening extra magic hours over the course of a year is an mm-hmm. additional essentially seven weeks. And change of improving your construction schedule to get well, that, Star Wars that is an a,
1: interesting point and
0: but uh, what are you hearing about rivers of light i heard soon like february Okay. but you know, hold on. I'm, I, I didn't explain this. I was doing air quotes around February, Jim. I've you know at this point, it's going to have to run for a month b- before I believe it exists.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, it's Bigfoot at this point. I'm going to have to have my own personal Bigfoot pet <laughs> before I believe that Bigfoot actually exists. And <sighs> and the thing with Rivers of Light is, I hear that all the stage people, all the all the uh, performers have been called back and they're they're retraining. And I don't know if they've changed the show. The thing that I saw back in November was not good enough to release. I would be more than surprised if that's the thing that Disney puts out because Mm -hmm. it's not a coherent show the way it uh, goes. Maybe they got some of the issues fixed. Maybe they just have to roll it out. I hate to say this, but I think that's the issue. This is a park
1: where they have to get this show up and working out ahead of Avatar, because when you have 5,000 people queued up to go to the second show of Rivers Mm -hmm. of Light, and very shortly you're going to have an equal number of people queued up to get into Pandora to experience the nighttime lighting program, you can't be learning to do that at the exact same time. You will have a guest relations nightmare so to launch it in february whether they're ready or not may just be the expedient choice and then to sort of backfill and fix the show after they figured out how to run it which is kind of sad but that's kind of the situation we're in right now which actually kind of dovetails
0: into our next news item doesn't it that's the media event now uh, which is i believe may 21st to the 27th Jim well, that's what's seven, making seven the
1: rounds, but but here's yeah. the thing, and I can tell you this because I got the invite. Oh, you have an invitation? Well, no, I got an invitation to the Universal event.
0: Ah, which... uh, okay, <laughs> some gamesmanship going on here. Well, no, yeah, yeah,
1: this is the thing. All right, so so give folks the rumored date for the the
0: I think a week long event is what they're saying, right? Or, yeah. or... And so so the rumor is that uh, that there's going to be a Disney media event, a week long media event, May twenty first. 21st to the 27th, 2017, supposedly for Pandora. And the reason why that date makes sense is I believe the blackout dates for Florida pass holders Mm -hmm. start the very next day at the end of that. So the idea is that May 21st to the 27th, the national press comes in Mm -hmm. for the preview of Pandora. And then Mm -hmm. on the 28th, it'll be the soft opening. The official opening, we think, is still sometime in July. Again, Disney's, we will have all ridden all of the Pandora rides for two months before Disney officially announces that it's open, but that's sort of the timeline that I'm hearing for this. Where this gets challenging
1: is the Volcano Bay event. <laughs> right. It's May 22nd through the 25th, so it's literally... While you're here! <laughs> yes, that's right. It's the nuclear option, folks. It's do you go to Disney's new Pandora, which is supposedly in the Harry Potter... It's a theme park within a theme park. Or do you go to the world's first water theme park? Yeah. It has happened in the past that what Disney will do is when they say it's a week-long media event, it's actually two media events where the international press comes in and then the domestic press comes in. And yeah. so in the best of all possible worlds, it would be possible to do both of these. But I have the uneasy feeling that there's a lot of folks who cover this beat who are going to be doing the Sophie's Choice. Do I want to go ride a Thunderbird or do I want to slide down a volcano? And it's just trying to figure out how to do both.
0: Yeah. So the interesting thing that I've heard about the uh, about this press event is mm-hmm. Disney's going to talk about one thing per day over the seven mm-hmm. days. So. One day might be given to Rivers of Light. Another day might be given to the Pandora attractions. Mm-hmm. Another one might be, oh, let me bring you over to Hollywood Studios to show you Toy Story Land and Star Wars Land details. Another might be, well, let's talk about the Caribbean Beach DVC expansion. So it's essentially bringing in the national press and walking them around the entire property. But spacing it out over the course of a week mm-hmm. so that you've, you essentially got a week's worth of media, social media coverage from every major outlet. Remember, because it used to be like two, three day events, four yeah, day events. I yeah, think were, you know, yeah. you know. this is a week, and it's a week right when you're getting the last little bit of people who are planning, you know, summer vacations, and it's you know yeah. probably you know, people for planning for Christmas vacations too at that point. Mm-hmm. But seven days is what, a very long time.
1: Go ahead. No, I agree. But speaking of which, you, you waltzed by the other big bit of news this week: the, the permits for the Caribbean. Oh,
0: I thought we... Because you and I talked about it. I thought we had talked about it on the show. Jim, you, you called this years ago. Permits filed to expand a new construction at Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort. This is the rumored DVC. It looks like they're going to add a couple of large buildings and either demo or convert a couple of existing buildings. And if you look at the permits that are filed basically
1: their version of top of the world that end building that has that wonderful sightline into world showcase so that you can then watch you know that the oh i didn't know what that was yeah the question now of course is is that going to be a restaurant or is that going to be like uh, top of the world at bay lake the Bay Lake Tower is something that guests who actually stay in this thing can go up and enjoy. I mean, of course, you're you're encouraged while you're there to go have an adult beverage or, or order a piece of cake that costs basically the same amount as a minivan. That's what I'm waiting to hear now is that what is that wonderful view? Who's going to get to experience that? You know, is it people who are dining or is it people who are staying there who can you know, go upstairs to this viewing area with some sort of bar, you know, right, attached to it? Right, right, right. So.
0: Okay, so which part of... Um
1: well, if you look at the layout, there's these two buildings that are slightly angled, and there's a rounded shape to the end of the one that's the closest to Buena Vista Drive.
0: Right, and so Buena Vista Drive is a thing that separates Caribbean Beach from Epcot. Yeah. And, and there's a there's a small internal roadway too. but yeah. Oh, so you think the tower is going to be high enough that you can
1: see... You know, I have oh. no doubt. I mean, that's the whole point of this. That's supposed to be one of the perks of this. It's deliberately positioned so that the viewpoint that you're going to have is between Italy and the American Pavilion, looking out directly in at where the 50th anniversary version of Interventions will be presented. Because remember, this is going to be a two-year build. Construction starts this year and it ends in 2019, right? Right. And obviously in this case, first demo and then again, God, knowing that this was the first moderate Disney resort. When you go in and visit folks there now, what with the new security procedures that were put in place post 9-11, this is already a tough resort
0: to get in and get out of. Yeah, the construction there is uh, is already kind of difficult, yeah.
1: Yeah. Getting in and out during the construction phase isn't going to be fun. and The roadways for this thing were designed to be opened in 88. Getting people in and out of that onto Buena Vista Drive, it's not like there's going to be less traffic on Buena Vista Drive.
0: They're already redoing a part of Buena Vista Drive and World Drive to do extra access into the studios, right?
1: Yeah. If the stories are true, the new main entrance going into disney's hollywood studios is actually going to be across from art of animation pop century you know that the what i'm talking about the the entrance complex there uh, so jim the thing that we're talking about here
0: is where the custom house is that's the area right yep mm-hmm. and we've heard rumors of this for a while that they're going to move it somewhere else yep and that land which is closest to Epcot, is going to be the thing that that gets demolished. yeah there's a ton of there's a ton of space there there's a ton of parking space there more than enough room to hold one two three four five six seven buildings
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah all right All right. Well, nice call, Jim. It happens. I was moderately, get it? Moderately? (laughs) Moderately surprised. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you. that They didn't expand Yacht Club first, but I guess they've got Beach Club. They would have have completed all the the deluxes. But let me ask you this question.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now that Disney has started converting some of the moderate resorts to DVC, are they just going to work through all the moderates as well? remember that caribbean beach
1: was built to be close to the studio and epcot when eisner came through the door that was where the pressure was mm-hmm. let's take advantage of our new park and we're building this other theme park slash production facility just down the street mm-hmm. and with the attention that's about to be focused on epcot between right. the the new wave of stuff that bob chapek talked about yeah the heat is on that park It wasn't all that long ago we had those mysterious height test balloons that were over by the Fantasia Golf Course. There's an anticipation that when Star Wars Experience and Toy Story Land opens up, that park is then going to become an equally hot property. People are actually going to want to stay in a resort that can look down into Star Wars Land. Ah, okay. Remember, that piece of the the puzzle is coming or
0: that piece is moving around the chessboard very, very soon. So you think that that height test balloon that was happening over by the Fantasia Golf Course, over by the Swan Dolphin, you think that's going to be a resort? I
1: remember talking with folks about... Initially, they were looking to create a cast parking area that was located with the Fantasia Gardens thing. And because during the construction of Toy Story Land and Star Wars Land, there was going to be a lot of heavy equipment moving and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There was some pushback. I mean, it's it's extremely valuable real estate. That's it, exactly. And we saw just in that same period where they made the decision, okay, let's put the fireworks area on the other side of World Drive so we don't have to shut down Star Wars experience to have a fireworks display every night. And that then took a primo piece of real estate out of the resort inventory. And so yeah. it was just one of these things where it's like, guys, we gave that to you. We need something back. And so this suddenly went, the Lazy Susan revolved, and suddenly this was, you know, this could be a resort, guys, right here. This could be the resort where people who
0: want to stay
1: and stare down into the brand new sections of the park, this could
0: be where they stay. Oh, Jim, it's the amazing thing is, I mean, looking at this on Google Maps, and it is, yep. you're right, it is, it is directly aqua- across whatever drive from, I guess, where the Toy Story Land stuff is going, mm-hmm. there's that huge backstage area right there yep. um, where it looks like they would put some of Toy Story Land stuff. So, yeah, you would look right at, into it. Yeah, I don't think a miniature golf course is actually the best use of the... Uh, no, <laughs> of the no. When you have so
1: much acreage, you've got winter Summerland, and mm-hmm. neither of these assets is delivering the sort of financial return that you would get. No, from a resort, yeah, no. What I'll find hilarious is if they actually do build something in this spot... I can bet you the people who are staying at the Dolphin and the Swan will then complain about, you're ruining our view. It, the irony is, if you remember when that thing opened in eighty nine ninety, all people could com- do was complain about how they were inside at Ep- Epcot and they, they could see the giant swan icon. And it was like, hey, you're ruining our view.
0: So. <laughs> the interesting thing is looking at this map, I'm looking at uh, where the swan is. So the swan's parking lot is adjacent to buena vista drive and the swan itself is set back closer to epcot if they had switched the location of of the resort and the parking lot it mm-hmm. would only be a slightly farther walk to epcot from the swan but you would be able to look into Disney's hollywood studios from mm-hmm. there i think the swan's parking lot is now the second most valuable piece of real estate in walt disney world but uh, but anyway all right so jim so you think uh, you think may 21st to the 27th is the uh, is the pandora press event <laughs> I have the uneasy feeling and it's like I
1: know I know NBC Universal is going to throw everything in their quiver at this supposedly no. Fallon's coming down to do some shows and if you want to talk about Star Wars it's literally going to be Star Wars if they're going to unveil Avatar Cameron and you know various members of the cast will be down for the Avatar and the, the sequels that are being shot now.
0: That's going to be interesting to see. The Volcano Bay Press event is May 22nd to the 25th, right? So really smack right. dab in the middle of this. But they're not going to do Volcano Bay for three days, right? What are they going to talk but- about besides that?
1: This is the thing that absolutely terrifies Disney, because Universal's response to the Star Wars experience is that Nintendo ride shows and attractions. We've only seen so far one piece of concept art, and that's for the Universal Studios Japan version mm-hmm. of Nintendo Land. And I would bet you that what Universal has been gleefully hanging on to is the fact that 10 or 15 years ago, gaming passed Hollywood as the most entertainment dollar and the notion of they're going to be the first park to do feature ride shows and attraction built around games. And they really believe that this is the future. This will be the thing where it's like, we're going to Universal and then to Disney afterwards. So that's one of the reasons why they are throwing, you know, as much money as they are at the Star Wars experience. They want that to at least knock out the Wizarding World for a while until all this Nintendo stuff comes online. Disney's got to be
0: deathly afraid of two things. One, the the continuation of the Harry Potter franchise with all of the yep. spin-off stuff. But number two, you, you mentioned Nintendo games like uh, you know Mario. We played it as kids, and now we're, you know, and then you know Hannah played it on her DS Super yeah. Mario Kart. It's one of those franchises that spans generations. It's not you know the same scale as Harry Potter or Star Wars, definitely. But uh, but definitely something worth checking out. And yeah, I, I don't know if you saw, but
1: there was a patent that leaked out of universal. They have a racing vehicle that's going to allow you to drift land. No. no. Yes. So oh. you're going to come around a turn, and this thing is deliberately built to drift. You're not just going to be in a oh, you small You Furious. Course. You could do a ton of stuff with that. Yeah. It's made for Mario Land. Just
0: watch out for the turtles. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, Jim. One more thing to uh, to talk about for the show. You and I both contributed to a new book that's out. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. That Dan's book. So uh, Dan Cisneros from New Mexico is a uh, a professional boxing judge. And that's actually how I know him. Dan's got a book out, it's called Disney Tale of the Tape. Mm-hmm. It is a is a series of contests or bouts in uh, boxing parlance, where you compare two different attractions. So Jungle Cruise versus Kilimanjaro Safaris, for example, or uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad versus Matterhorn Bob Bobsleds. Uh, I was a huge boxing fan growing up. My dad was a big boxing fan, so we watched fights every night. I actually knew who Dan was before the first time he emailed me so when when he emailed me i'm like i know this name where do i know this name from so you know i look him up i'm like oh yeah dan so i i wrote him back i'm like are you know are you the dan cisneros because you you know like when you're in a park everyone every once in a while someone will walk up to you and go excuse me are you are you jim hill so i'm like are you dan cisneros and apparently he never got that before mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like yes yes i am so we started talking and everything and he decided to write this book and it's uh you know it's it's essentially it's a boxing take on, you know, comparing rides in Disney World. So I know you contributed a couple of things. A
1: yeah, of- look, I wanted to help more, and you know, th- not to give anything away here, but Dan's already working on a second book, but I, I, in effect, was the corner man. Dan would write to me, and it's like, well, what about this Space Mountain versus that Space Mountain? And I would just get in the weeds on the poor guy. It's like, oh, you know yeah. yeah that one was built in 73, and you know, it was the single-track system, and it's just, Jim, just tell me, uh, how do they stack up?
0: You know, I, so, I, d- I need two paragraphs or Jim. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, I,
1: I don't need a tale of two cities. So it was <laughs> like... But no, he's he's brought a really fun take to the Disney theme park world with this book. And it's it's got contributions by a, a lot of folks from websites and blogs that you folks know. And it's definitely worth checking out. It, it's a good thing to add to your Disney library, which, God help me, I'm in the middle of trying to reorganize.
0: That's right. You said you're 850 books in. <sighs> about right it's,
1: it's been 25 years since I organized my library and was do this or a control. Old burn, <laughs> trying to be disciplined, but Dan's book was so much fun; it went right yeah. into the pile, and you know it's getting slotted right in there with you know, a lot of my Disney reference books. So,
0: so Dan covers. Uh, let's go through the matches real quick. So, yep. the way it's organized is he's got uh, you know various people from the Disney community are are acting as judges for the bouts. Uh, the bouts are organized this way: each round, you talk about a specific thing about the ride. So maybe you're talking about theming or architecture, or ride experience, or you know music, or something like that. And then at the end of each round, the judges vote on which attraction or thing is better at that particular aspect of it. So you go through like anywhere from three to I think six rounds on them. And at the end, you you tally up all the scores and a, and a winner is judged. And Dan explains the scoring system. So we've got matches like Grand Fiesta Tour versus Journey into Imagination, California Screaming versus Rock and Roller Coaster, I did this one, actually. I've, I was on this one. American Music Machine versus the British Revolution. So, bands. Haunted Mansion Disneyland versus Haunted Mansion Disney World. There's hotels. There's the Pirate Room at Caribbean Beach versus the Royal Room at Port Orleans Riverside. Dole Whip versus Mickey's Premium Ice Cream Bar. You know how that one ends. Yeah. Yeah. Jungle Cruise versus Kilimanjaro Safaris and more. And, and, and a ton of other ones. So, actually works out uh, works out fairly well in terms of it. Again, the book is Disney Tale of the Tape, Theme Park Boxing by Dan Cisneros. It's available on Amazon. Go grab it. It's relatively expensive. I actually did it in the forward. Uh, in the forward, I included the first question I ever asked Dan Cisneros. And are, are you a boxing fan, Jim? I did spend a, a lot of time at my dad's
1: elbow watching not so much the, the world wrestling fan as the really for real boxing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, the first question I ever asked Dan Cisneros, author of Disney Tale of the Tape, was who won, Hagler or Leonard? <laughs> and, uh, <I> <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, literally the first question I ever asked. But like, in your opinion, who won? In his book, mm-hmm. he acknowledges what I believe to be the universal truth. I won't say what it is. You okay. It is. Okay. But anyway, he, uh, he hedged on me for like five years. Finally, answered the question in the book. I'll leave it to you guys to get the book and uh, and read it. Ah, cool. 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 <laughs> All right. Anyway. All right, Jim. We'll be back in the uh, for our second show. In February, later on. But for now, let's uh, let's close out this show. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. Please go on to iTunes and Stitcher and to Google Play and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Hey, if you'd like to hear more stories about Disney World, Jim and I have lots more to tell. You can hear other episodes over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. Our next show is going to be about the history of Disney's unbuilt Disneyland Australia theme park. That and more will be over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com.